Cheers to another one. Knives down. Aprons off. The last table is served. The station is broken down. Everything's put away. Your inventory is complete. And now it's time to meet me on the back dock where all the most important meetings are held. We shall. Take a deep breath and enjoy a job. Well done. At ease, kick off your clouds. Smoke them if you got them. What a nice cold beverage. How about a nice tall glass of high wire brewing leisure time lager? Oh, yes, chef. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Mental health is a spectrum, right? Anxiety, nervousness, substance use, all the way to suicide, right? Right, the ultimate thing. People who deal in suicide, that's what they talk about all the time. And sometimes we led there, right? Because it's it's final and it's clear to talk about. It's much easier to say this happened than anxiety. The same thing is true of substance abuse. And and in the beginning, we were leery because people, particularly in 12-step programs, are pretty doctrinaire sometimes, not all, but sometimes they are there. But once our program got going and people started talking, then I was more comfortable. We became more comfortable in talking to them and saying, hey, this is it works, right? We know that for people who are in the 12-step programs that do it successfully, that it works. So let's make sure we take what we can and apply those lessons. So we have been talking to them. The most important lesson for me from that is a friend who said to me, because someone was dancing with the devil, as you put it, and not doing well, and also not ready to be done with it, is he said, yep, I'll talk to them. It's not going to work. They're not ready. I said, I, I said, well, wh- what do you do? And he said, you keep trying and you should always have hope, but never have any expectations. And then that frames our whole conversation, right? It frames the, how are you doing really? I have hope that you're going to share that with me. I have hope that you're going to let me help you if you need help. I have hope that I'm going to let you help me when I need help, but I don't have expectations. That's from our guest in this episode, Chef Patrick Mulvaney from Mulvaney BNL in Sacramento, California, talking about his experience launching the I Got Your Back project and how he had to overcome his own initial resistance coming up against the conventional wisdom of traditional practices for assessing and addressing mental health in the hospitality industry and why that didn't stop him and why it shouldn't stop you because it's okay to not be okay. Listen, learn, model, so that you can be a resource to your staff right now. We've come so far in short, it feels like, I mean, it hasn't been a short amount of time, but certainly I'm thankful for COVID for a couple different reasons. Number one is kind of the shattering of the old business paradigm on which restaurants have kind of maintained and there's lots of conversation going on now about how an owner operator builds into the PNL or to the business plan their health and wellness of their associates and there's a long way to go but it it's gotten some steam and I'm also pretty aware that during covid my, my wife does transformational coaching and I thought at the very beginning like this is going to kill her business well as the world slowed down and no one had anywhere to run from their problems 
whether that be to work or, you know, exercise or whatever, they got nowhere to go except to seek help finally. And, you know, she's had the busiest year ever. And, and as you say, Umberto's probably <laughs> saying the same thing. So I'm really grateful that there are those folks who've stepped up and taken the challenge. And so this group coaching uh, scenario, that's specific to your general area? Yes, that one is that one is in Sacramento. But the truth is that now Giving Kitchen and Ben's Friends and Chow and Not 9 to 5 and just all over, right? And people in the community, when you come to mental health and say, we have a challenge, what do we do? What I've been most surprised at is, boom, how quickly everyone comes together. In the beginning of 2020, I think it was just before the pandemic started, Cincinnati had two people die by suicide or I'm not sure how. And they friends called and said, Hey chef, what do we do? Right? You're you're the mental health what what are we looking at? And I said, Cincinnati's far away, but let me connect you with the guy from Ohio the Ohio State University who really who literally wrote the book on how to deal with and talk about mental health issues with professors from University of Kentucky who focus on suicide, death and grieving with people from healthcare systems here who reached out to people there. Boom. Within 20 minutes. Hey, Cincinnati, here's my pamphlet. Here's where it is. I'm an hour and a half away from you, but here are the two people who are best primed to speak to you and help you get going. Julie from University of Kentucky said, hey, I'm 45 minutes away. You let me know. You set a date. Boom. I'm there. Uh, Everybody reached out and I said, to my friends in Cincinnati who were overwhelmed by the outpouring, right? And I said, this is real, right? When these people say they're going to do something, know that they're going to follow up. And as hard as it is for the two to to navigate the loss of, of these two chefs, realize that they've given you a gift, right? And that gift is that everyone sees how affected you are. And that opens the opportunity for you to begin this conversation in your community and make a better tomorrow. So I can tell you that in Sacramento, because of Noah and and that conversation opening, that there's less there's less death, right? I can tell you that there's more people not dancing with the devil, right? And and saying this is a problem and let's face it, and not being shunned, but being supported. Clearly, we're going to have some more conversations offline so I can get a list of links and, and put them in the show notes so that people who find this episode are going to be able to be inundated with, you know, opportunity. Uh, the, the other thing I just wanted to kind of highlight is one of the benefits that this retirement community offered their associates was an anonymous counseling situation. So there's a little pamphlet, phone number, anybody in crisis could call this number and make an appointment and HR would get a bill with no name on it. And I walked around with those pamphlets in my back pocket all the time um, as a way of offering a resource that didn't necessarily, I had never seen in any other food service operation that I had seen. And I thought, wow, this is great. And what I also discovered is that if, if it has to come from HR or, you know, associate services office, most employees don't trust that. They don't trust that their anonymity is going to be respected or anything like that. So to be able to have it from a peer and this other idea of, <laughs> bringing up a conversation or offering a conversation as, you know, you're pulling mats and doing the floors, something that's kind of 
autonomic and we've done it so many times that we don't ever think about, I think also opens up a huge opportunity for really truly vulnerable conversations. But if we leave it to somebody else, it's never going to happen. And I've always felt I can't expect anyone else to be transparent and vulnerable with me if I'm not willing to do that first. And here's the cool piece, right, for us is, is yes, it's helped us in the restaurant, but interesting for me. So when we started, people in the community said, oh, great, you're, you're going to be offering mental health resources to all your clients. I'm like, fuck, no, this is for us, right? This is, this is about us, right? I'm not coming to your table and saying, great, Cabernet, steak, and a little counseling session. Okay, let's go. But what happened was the community saw us talking about it and restaurants, if we, we are community centers, and in many ways, we're leaders, even if we don't think about it. And so what happened is the nurses, the policemen, the firemen, school teachers started to come to us to say, what are you doing? Say, this is it. We're creating a space where it's okay not to be okay. And this is our outline. And in some ways, right, because maybe I have the chip on my shoulder that a lot of us do, is that restaurant work is sometimes seen as less than is that it became safe, right? Oh, if they can do it, everyone can do it, right? Because we, the great, for me, the great gift of being in our world is that we accept all comers. Don't care what you look like, don't care where you're from, don't care what your language is, can you do the job, right? Boom. And so starting for us, the box that my wife made was faces with colors, right? And when we got into... Uh, what she calls propeller heads, right? Talking about it. Then all of a sudden there was suicidal ideation and perambulation on a box. And she's like, I'm dyslexic. And 50% of the people that work at the restaurant or 40% don't have English as a, as a first language. 10% of my workers don't have English or Spanish as a first language because they're from the mountains of Michoacan. So let's keep the face. So for me, what we've created and I got your back does is effective for hospitality, but effective for everyone. Right. And it's cool, right? Because as we've changed, we know, right. That, that the, the face of food has changed. Our being in relationship with food in 2020 is much different than it was in 1985. Right. And everybody wants to be like us. And so here's an opportunity for us as an industry to say, you want to be like us? Okay, let's really talk. Can you explain to me what it means by being in the weeds? <laughs> Everything's fucked up, falling apart, right? In the kitchen, right? When when you're just way behind and you don't know how to get out of it, right? When you're in that spiral. We know that sometimes on the line on a busy night, then you have to say, all right, everybody, five minutes. Stop, take everything off the stove, get some soapy water, clean off your deck, organize all your shit waiters get away from me right we need five minutes to get going all right everybody good you got a water you got a soda ready go back in right and so it's that idea that you're in the weeds that you don't know how to solve your problem but you know that things are wrong so it's that it's that stopping right it's that space between the comma and really that offers you the opportunity to say reset okay now i can see now i can move forward I, I want to thank you for that because I can't tell you, uh, you know, how many general managers or dining room managers would freak the fuck out when I would just, that's it. I don't give a shit what's happening with the machine. 
we're taking five, we're going to regroup because we can't, like if there's not a pattern interrupt, then it just goes into pure unadulterated chaos and you end up walking out of the door with your head hung so low that, you know, anything sounds reasonable at that point. And uh, a couple of the other things that I wanted to point out was, so since discovering the Burn Chef Project, I've gone back to look at kind of their swag and all their kind of stuff. And they have two little posters uh, that they sell and one is supposed to go right by the um, time clock and it's kind of a checkout you know it's kind of the checking out checklist um, and it goes all the way down um, you know think of one good thing that happened today uh, I think of two things that you could have done differently today and then the very last one is now think about home and go out the door and that pattern interrupts to me something so powerful to be able to just just take a breath because so much of our lives in the kitchen is like bang, 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 bang. And there's rarely time for us to gather our thoughts or our emotions. You know, we just started using a scheduling platform called Seven Shifts. And at the end, it's, it has a how was your night prompt that comes up after you've clocked out. But it comes up a half an hour after you've clocked out so that you have time to sit and think and you're saying things, you're being able to talk about things after you've had some time to look at it and give it a little perspective. And then we've been using, and as they come in, when there's a feature for COVID, right? Are you well and healthy? And we're, we're looking at changing that. So instead of having the box to have, it's not there yet, but instead of having the box right now to say, are you happy, neutral, angry, or in the weeds so that we can take the temperature with the hope that someday the screen you'll punch in, boom, time clock starts, the four colors and the faces come up, you choose one, and boom, it collates. And at the end of the night, when you're getting your, when you get your prompt to say, how was your night? You'll also get something to say, here's the temperature of the restaurant to let you know if there were things going badly or well, right? how that how that was influenced by how the people how your coworkers and you were doing as you went through the evening and i can only imagine how powerful that must be just so from the standpoint of knowing that you're not alone yep and knowing that you're not alone but that you don't have to you don't have to talk about it publicly right i mean you to have to have that number on your phone you know what you can slip out into the alley and go around the corner you can do it at home when you're in your bedroom. You can look now on your phone and say, hey, I wasn't the only one in the weeds tonight. And then I wonder who else it was, right? And and what was I doing to make it better? Or if you're someone who says, God, you know what? The, the saute guy sucked tonight. Or why wasn't my busboy here? Or how come that server didn't do well? When you look at the thing and say, okay, three people in the weeds. You know, maybe it was those three people, you know, so if you look at that page and say, maybe there's three people in the weeds and maybe those are the people that I'm thinking of. And it reminds us, just like you said in the beginning, it reminds us what this time has shown us. And that is how important it is for us to give each other grace. I was speaking to somebody else and their relationship expert <laughs> talking about the masculine and feminine. And I asked her about, you know, LGBTQ and non-binary, um, and she aired on the 
uh, erred on the side of being endlessly curious, curious enough to get out of your head and into your heart to actually ask somebody, hey, well, what pronouns do you like to use? How would you like to refer to yourself? Are you internally motivated or externally motivated? And as I'm having this conversation, I, I have this deep sense of, uh, I guess the only way I could say it, it's like shame and regret that for most of my career, I never thought to ask those questions when I know for a fact those are the only questions that I ever wanted to be asked. You know, so it's this kind of reckoning. I mean, you and I, by just the color of our beards, <laughs> must be of similar ages. And uh, to me, there's nothing in your approach or your demeanor during this interview that says to me that you're you're hindered by any of that shit. You know, I mean, you're not hindered about the could'ves or should'ves or would've, but you're just you just want to act now for the benefit of everybody. Would that be correct? Yeah. Well, I've danced with the devil, and we're trying not to uh, now. But when so we started right that I got your back took its form now from a conference of 150. Uh, C-suite health leaders who came to our city for a conference. And my friend at Noah Zonka's funeral, when I told him what was going on, he said, that's it. You're the fucking problem. I said, what? He said, I told them when they come that I want them to leave a scar on the city. And the scar they're going to leave is improved mental health. And so they worked diligently and they built the outline. It was great in three days. The first day when I gave the speech to tell everyone what was going on, a woman stands up and says, my nephew just died by suicide. And, or, you know, she said he killed himself, but we say died by suicide. And she said, should I have asked him if he was going to hurt himself? And I said, no, no, because what you should have said is, are you contemplating suicide? Do you have a plan? And do you have means? You'd feel the air go out of the room. And then you explain to them, if you think that person is thinking about it, believe me, they've already thought about it, right? It's not an option for me, but but for sure, they've already thought about it, and this is what you should do. So when people are challenged, it is difficult and hard. And this is another thing you should practice, asking people, are you thinking about suicide? So that when the day comes that you need to, that you're ready and able to do it. That night at dinner, the woman who helped me organize the conference has faced her own mental challenges. Nikki lets me tell the story. And that woman was sitting next to Nikki and she was talking about some stuff. And the woman turned to her and said, are you thinking about suicide? And Nikki burst into tears and sturm and drang. And the woman said, I'm so sorry, but that's what the chef said, that that's what I should say. And this is no good. And I, and everybody's poo-pooing. And Nikki calmed down to her and she said, he's right. That's what you're supposed to say. I've been taken to the hospital three times because of attempting to take my own life. And no one's ever asked that question, and it would have helped. Asking the question's important. Everybody's acting like this pandemic is over, and it ain't. Um, and one of the things that my staff were struggling with is grief and sorrow, because it's not like a... Uh, natural disaster like a hurricane comes through and you can pick up all the pieces and rebuild your house or a war that ends on a specific day and everybody buries the dead, but it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. So if there's anybody in the audience that thinks that the need for mental health awareness is going to like dry up anytime soon. And so chef, these, and again, it's as simple as a goddamn shoebox. <laughs> Right? It doesn't take very much, but just us wanting to try to make a difference in one way. And you've, you've clocked 
with with the help of some amazing people, you know, what's the best way to go about this. But, you know, talk to the restaurateur or the chef who's who's already got two people who's called out because they're not mentally fit for the day. How's he supposed to get through his day? As best you can, you know, so the boy, boy, it's hard. And at first blush, you think, so everyone's just going to call out, right? Because they know they have a free pass for mental health. But what we found was less people calling out. We found the significant, the calling in hungover virtually disappeared because people saw when Adam takes the days off because he's having challenges and having a tough time. They saw that everyone else had to pick up the slack while you were gone. And so then the idea of calling in because you drank too much last night or did something else goes away, right? Nope, I got to go to work. And even better, I got to not do what I was doing so that I'm ready. And so each, everybody took more responsibility. It also gives us as chefs and restaurateurs this opportunity, right? So how many times in my career has there been someone who just wasn't doing well, wasn't doing well, wasn't doing well, get out, right? And never had that conversation. Now I can have, I have conversations to say, hey, you know what? You're not performing up to snuff and it's a challenge. I'm thinking it's, it might be some other stuff. Do you want to talk about it? Because we have resources and we can get you help. Right now you're here. I need you to be here. Not today, not tomorrow, but we got to work towards it, right? And and I'm in. I'm here to help you. But you got to want to help yourself. And so then for those that take it, God bless them, right? We've had people who, you know, light turns on and all of a sudden they're doing well. But for those who aren't, then we're able to say, hey, this is what we've talked about, right? And and you're not getting better. And, and I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore. So it gives us a little more freedom. Uh, to move forward. And then the other thing is when people call in. So with the pandemic, when we thought it was over, right, we have, we have 160 feet of sidewalk in front of the restaurant, and we're allowed to sit outside. So we had plenty of room. We hadn't made money in 17 months. But also our spirit is welcome, right? First word you hear when you come in and the feeling we hope that you leave with. And so we wanted all comers and everyone was ready to come back out. And we were too busy, right? We ran everyone too hard and we started to burn them out. At one point, we had a scare, the busboy who uh, we thought was positive. It turns out he wasn't. But the direction from the health department was anyone who's not vaccinated needs to go away for 10 days. And we had a brutal weekend, right? Because we lost, we, we had, we didn't have people on the floor and we still had the same amount of reservations, right? It didn't occur to me to, on Thursday to say, you can't come in Friday, Saturday. And on that Monday, when Tuesday, when we gathered as a leadership team again, we just said, that's not acceptable. We're going to limit everything. We're just going to say, who's working? That's how many resources. That's how many people we're going to have come in this evening. And started for us the first time in 15 years to say to people, we can't provide you the service that we want. Uh, Can you come back next week? Right. And to just to say, right. Hey, this is, this is what we can do. Right. Same thing. Mental health. What can you do? Where are you at? So now we're saying the same thing to our whole staff. 
it's it's a hard but it's a hard adjustment right because the pandemic's not over everything's changing mask no mask inside outside and really just being burnt out right i mean it's it's hard right everybody's pretty thin right we're closing down for 10 days in a couple of weeks just because i can see in the eyes of our team that there's not a lot of gas left in the tank right and so what will you do for those 10 days just let everybody relax and everybody yeah everybody's at at first i was nervous right that some people would say i i can't not work for 10 days i told them i'd leave a, a bucket of paint and some uh brushes and and masking tape in that yeah um if you need hours but almost to a person everyone has said thank you this is great i'm going to visit these wineries i'm going up into the sierras i'm going to visit family in colorado i'm going to the beach i'm not doing anything i'm staying at home with my kids right i'm going to spend 10 days playing softball and pushing them on a swing and doing all the things that we don't get to do uh in the regular course of our days that's great man i mean it's almost like the european model where you know in most countries you know whole shops are closed the entire month of august or whatever because everybody's okay time for everybody to live their lives now and we've talked about it too at other other folks you know that 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 leadership ring of restaurateurs in sacramento we've talked about it and said we really need to do this every year we close at for us at christmas every year we we try and give we try to give everyone a week we always give everyone 5 days where the restaurant is closed and no one comes in and and i think the value of doing that during the summer uh, it's, it's become apparent right that that we should be doing that twice a year at minimum right to give everyone that breathing space well yeah i mean i used to be a huge proponent of telling everybody okay it's just not, it's not one vacation a year you, you need to you know every six months you need to break because how else can anybody refill their cup and and we're so good at uh you know giving of our cups <laughs> you know and how do you take full. care how do you take care of other people when you're not taking care of yourself right for us that was the real driver right that we are always is your drink cold is your coffee hot you know how are you how are you how are you but never looking at ourselves right so when people said are you going to give mental health to the community i said no the first time we are going to take our superpower which is hospitality and turn it on ourselves and make ourselves better and then through making ourselves better we're going to be better able to serve you chef what have you been able to do for yourself to refill your cup throughout this entire thing <laughs> well i i like to travel and eat and drink in other people's restaurants so that's pretty much been uh <laughs> taken away and people ask right what are you doing what are you doing and i you say nothing right and you think about it right when you're a cook you know, those early years and I was on the line, that was my moment of Zen, right? So for 30 or 40 hours a week, I was on the line, burning my hands, yelling at people, throwing pans and pots, and all the pain went away, right? That was great. So during the pandemic, uh, it turns out in hindsight, right, without realizing it, that what I did was learn. You know, we started the week after the shutdown, uh, making 400 meals a day. 800 meals the second week and uh, just continued feeding. So for us in California, there's a program called Great Plates delivered in Sacramento. We fed usually between 1,100 and 1,300 uh, seniors, three meals a day, five days a week. Throughout the pandemic, we were delivering meals 
meal kits to school sites. You know, when you go to the school sites where there would be 1,700 cars lined up, and we had dinner, right? Dinner for four. And we figured out how to reimburse them. We figured out how to get them there. We figured out how to do transportation with the seniors, not by myself and lots of restaurants. 40 restaurants were kept afloat by the Great Place Delivered Program in Sacramento and much help from our city fathers and the state. The governor's office has been just tremendous. In fact, the program across the state has delivered 25 million meals to seniors in California. And so for me, what what I did for myself without knowing it was study, right? I wasn't a very good student when I was in college, but it turns out that how I got through it and how I kept the the drunken monkey in my head at bay was by learning, right? Who who would have thought that I would be that I would know how to advocate for public funding, that I would know how to, you know, in a pandemic say, how do we make eight hundred meals when we're not supposed to be together? Okay, three shifts, right? You two are coming in and cooking. You two are gonna come in after they leave and package. You two are gonna come the next day, put it in bags and get it ready to go. Right. We're going to put it outside and people are going to pick it up. And who do we talk to? How does it work? How do we get other restaurants involved? Right. And some restaurants were, you know, in the beginning, the first three weeks, we didn't have any money. Right. And we just said, how's this going to work? First week, I called the food bank to say, dude, I, the head of the food bank to say, I need 800 pieces of fruit. Yeah, no problem. I went down and Blake, who's the head of the food bank, said, you know, I have 230 contracts with other feeding organizations. I can't do this all the time for you. I said, I'm just afraid. I don't have any money and I don't know where this is coming. This is a one-off. Thank you very much. And the next week he called and said, do you want some beef? Sure. I thought you had 200 people. Those guys don't want it. We have grade A beef for you. Sure. How much? A tractor trailer. Like, do I have to take it all at once? Nope. And so for a month or so, Luis would go every other day and fill the van up with 1500 pounds of uh, in and out patties and bring them back. And we'd call the boys and girls and people would come and take them and use them for the feeding. The lamb people gave us 4,300 pounds of lamb vindaloo. The tomato processing people gave us probably eight to 12 full pallets of tomato product. Our friend that grows rice, Bosworth calls me and says, I left a ton of rice for you at Produce Express, our distribution company. And I said, oh, that's great. What, like two or 300 pounds? He said, no, I left a fucking ton of rice. And when that's done, I have another fucking ton of rice for you. So again, for months, people, whoever was doing feeding, when you called in your Produce Express order, you would say, and I can use a bag of Family Meal Sacramento rice, and it would come to you. So the outpouring of generosity and and that community spirit and the let's work together because we are we are effed, and how do we get out of this? We get out of this together. That really helped me make it through the last year and a half. That's it for this episode of Chef Life Radio's On the Dock. If you enjoyed this bonus content from Chef Life Radio, then head over to cheflifebrigade.com and join the only free online community dedicated to chefs who are ready to enjoy their careers without sacrificing their lives with monthly live stream hot seats, exclusive content, and more at www.cheflifebrigade.com. At Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard, just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck it up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island, 
more partnership and less put up or shut up. And we get to have more community and less fuck you. We shall. And finally, we believe in you. Consider for a second, for all the blood, sweat, and tears we put into what we do, that really, at the end of the day, just some stuff on a plate. None of it really matters. It doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just a dance that we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it. Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it? Like it happened. I put love it. I am humble. Stand tall and frosty, brothers and sisters. Until next time, be well and do good. In case you didn't realize it, we just got our asses kicked in there, man. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the other goddamn social media sites at Chef Life Radio, all one word. Visit us on the website at chefliferadio.com. Oh, yes, Chef. This show was written. Produced and recorded by me, Adam Lamb, at the Dish Pit Studios in Bardo, North Carolina, and co-produced by Thomas Stephenson of Podlike.com. On the Dock is a production of Realignment Media. 